Welcome to Our Call to Beneficence, a podcast hosted by Jeff Mearns, the president of Ball State University. The podcast will feature conversations with Ball State graduates and friends who are having a positive impact on the people they serve. Now, here's your host, Jeff Mearns. Hello, I'm Jeff Mearns, and I have the good fortune to serve as the president of Ball State University. On today's episode of my podcast, I'm going to have a conversation with Michael Lewis. In March, Michael was hired as our university's new head coach of our men's basketball team. His arrival on our campus was met with great enthusiasm from Cardinal fans, and I was pretty excited too. This is a new chapter of leadership for Ball State men's basketball. It's also an exciting new chapter for Michael and his family. Michael has returned to Indiana after spending the past three years serving as an assistant coach at UCLA. Prior to his time in California, Michael coached at Stephen F. Austin, Eastern Illinois, Butler, and Nebraska. Michael's years as a coach have been shaped by his formative experiences as a standout high school and college basketball player. Under the direction of Coach Bob Knight, Michael played basketball for Indiana University from 1996 to 2000, finishing at that time as IU's all-time leader in assists. As the Cardinals prepare for the season, I'm going to talk to Michael about his background and what's in store for his players and for Ball State basketball fans. Michael, welcome and thank you for joining me today. No, I'm excited to be here. Good. When you call, I have to answer, right? You don't have to, but I appreciate that you do. (laughs) So let's start with Indiana. Your roots are here in Indiana. You were raised in Jasper, which we know is a small city in southwestern Indiana, where you and your brother Brian grew up around athletics, playing sports. Tell us about growing up and playing sports as a kid. You know, it was uh, I, both my, my father and my mother were, were educators. My mom was an elementary school teacher. My dad taught and, uh, taught and coached in high school um, until he became the athletic director. So we were um, just always around sports whether it was basketball or you know you tag tag along to you know in the neighborhood you play baseball tennis ball um you know flag football like whatever you we we did we were active i think much more active than kids are today where they're sitting behind behind the ipads but i just remember we, we would go out and play and you know you eat lunch at a buddy's house and you just home for dinner when and um you know it was a really cool place to grow up it's a very uh proud community um, very supportive community and in, in, uh, really everything that that they do in Jasper very hardworking um, and it was it was a really cool place to grow up I didn't have the opportunity to grow up anywhere else but I, I couldn't imagine um, you know a better place to grow up than what we had had there in Jasper and then being able to compete at the high school level um, you know for, for Jasper I was very proud to wear that uniform and have the success that we had uh, during my time in high school and and then it led to you know what was next but um, just a very um, you know, proud, hardworking community. And I understand there are a lot of folks down in Jasper who are now flying Ball State flags in their front yard. I think Ball State's gotten a little bit more popular down there. <laughs> that's, that's great. And what you were saying is I remember growing up as a kid, and probably like you, you played whatever sport was in season. If it was fall, you were playing sandlot football. If it was the winter, you were playing basketball. Spring, summer, you are playing baseball or tennis. It's just what you did. Whatever the season was, you just kind of rolled with it. Now, I, I gravitated towards basketball because of, you know, what it what it was in my family and my, my dad coaching and having access to a gym. Like, I didn't, you know, I, after school, like, I didn't get on a bus and go home. Like, I got on the bus and, and took the bus to the high school. And so, 
uh, you know, when I was younger, my dad also taught um, girls tennis. And so I would get dropped off. I'd go to the girls tennis course. I'd, you know, run around in the field, do whatever. And then, you know, when he was coaching basketball, I went to the gym. And, like, whether I was watching the high school team practice or I took my ball and I went upstairs and was shooting or uh, as I got a little bit older, um, some of the high school kids that were just playing pickup basketball games or the wrestling team, the football team, I was lifting weights during the winter, um, you know, I'd get to play with them. You know, they probably, you know, <laughs> probably weren't real happy having some fourth or fifth grader run around playing, but it allowed me at that age to compete against um, bigger, stronger athletes and allowed, I think, my game to grow. Yeah. So like you, I gravitated, but I gravitated in high school to be a distance runner. And I did that because the JV basketball coach, when I was a sophomore in high school, cut me from the basketball team. I <laughs> see, didn't make the team. See, you're wanting to run. And we always tried to stay away from running. We looked at running as punishment, right? And so yeah. I always tried to stay away from that. Yeah. My sport was your punishment. <laughs> um, so you finished your high school basketball career having earned a spot on Indiana's all-time high school scoring list. So given your success at Jasper... Of course, you were recruited and decided to play at IU. What was it like to play for the Hoosiers in a state that so reveres basketball? As I think I've heard you say, the folks here in Indiana think they invented basketball. Well, they might have. <laughs> they might have. Like uh, it was, um, it was, it was an unbelievable experience. And now it, the recruiting landscape was was very different um, at that time. I think it was much more regional. Like you didn't. Uh, I couldn't go home and and watch a UCLA game on TV, you know, when I was growing up. So you got the old Channel Four, you got IU Purdue, you got Notre Dame football games during the during the fall, and so it was much more regional. And at that time, with IU success, uh, Coach Knight was was such a large figure, like he dominated this state as far as you know recruiting. So if you were a if you were a basketball player growing up during my era, um, it was kind of like, hey, if Coach Knight wants you, like. That's where you're going. Now, there was a few that, you know, went, went to Purdue and had success, but it was uh, – he really kind of had his his pick, you know, so to speak, at that time. So um, when, when it came time for me to – I decided when I was a junior in high school, I remember um, going up and, and uh, you know, telling Coach I wanted to be a Hoosier. And, and uh, you know, it was – from that point on, I was 17 years old. Like, when you do that in this state, your life changes. You know, like you, you, you kind of get adopted by, by the state, and I think you've seen some of that since I've been back here. Like it's a, it's a really cool thing. It's a, it's a bunch of responsibility. But, um, you know, growing up in the state, uh, and then having the chance to play in Indiana um, was a was a really special experience because you're kind of like every everybody loves the Hoosiers, right? But when you're one of them, so to speak, like there's a there's a different type of relationship, and it's. Um, you know, one like that I've I've exploited my my entire adult adult life. I really I don't think I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm I'm not your head coach if, if I didn't have that experience of playing at Indiana. Yeah. So in one of your first practices at IU, uh, Coach Knight gave you a choice, right? Uh, he I should have never told you that story. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to tell <laughs> us again now for everyone out here. You, he gave you a choice about your role on the team. Yeah. Tell us about that conversation. Well. It, I like you. You had mentioned I was um, when I was in high school. I, I, I shot a lot of basket. You know, I shot. And the some of them the went in. Yeah, some of them went in, um, and so I scored a lot of points. And that's kind of, um, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, that's kind of how I define myself as a player. And so I get, you know, I go to Indiana, and we're, we're in our first or second practice, and Coach Knight calls me over and puts his arm around me, and, and he's like, Mike, you wanna, you wanna play a lot or you wanna play a little? 
you know, and I'm a freshman, so I got, you know, like, coach, I want to play a lot. And he says, well, quit shooting the effing ball, right? And so <laughs> I look at that now as, like, from a coaching standpoint, like, if I said that now, our guys would be in the transfer portal, you in a heartbeat. Like, you know, the coach is taking my game, this and that. But um, he went ahead and continued on, like, hey, like, you know, Andre Patterson, I think, can really score. You know, Neil Reed was there at the time. I, you know, he, he's got the ability to score. And then uh, a recruit that came in with me named A.J. Guyton, he's like, I think A.J.'s going to have a chance to be a really good player, and he's got the ability to score. He said, what I don't have is I don't have a leader on this team. So if you can be one of the, the toughest guy on the court every night, you can get us into offense, you know, be a leader, be my voice on the court and in the locker room. He goes, you'll play as much as you want for four years. Now, if you want to shoot the ball, you can sit next to me. And so, you know, I then, you know, that's probably what I'm proud of the most as a player. Like, I have a pretty true understanding of who I was as a player. Like, I wasn't those guys. Like, I wasn't an NBA player. I wasn't a pro. Um, but I could carve out a role uh, to help our team win in Indiana. And I think, um, you know, coaches, one of his things that made him who he was was he saw things and were, was able to get things out of people that they may not have seen in themselves as they entered college. So he saw, you know, something in me from a leadership standpoint um, and my ability to, to connect guys on the team and, and be, a, be a leader that maybe as I entered Indiana, I, I didn't know I could do. I just, I, I define myself as a player, as a guy that, that shot the ball and scored points. And there's, uh, he saw something much different. Yeah, so and you've also not only were you coached by uh, Bob Knight, but you've had the chance to work for some other High-profile coaches, Brad Stevens at Butler, then more most recently Mick Cronin at UCLA. What about what did you learn from those other coaches that now you bring to your own um, coaching style or your own approach to coaching? Well, all, the, all those guys are much more similar than they are different. And, you know, people always kind of shake their head or give me a funny look when I talk about Bob Knight and Brad Stevens being similar because they their demeanors – are very different, but what they wanted in their program, the type of people that they wanted in their program, um, the, the discipline, the accountability, um, the, the tough, hardworking, overachieving individuals that you want on a basketball team or you want working for your Fortune 500 company or, or you want here at this university, they wanted on their basketball team. Now, how they went about um, pulling all those things from each, each player were vastly different. But what they wanted and what they were truly about on a day-to-day basis were very same, very much the same. So, um, you know, I've I've pulled, you know, tons of things from all those individuals. Like I, I want us to have a tough, hard-nosed team that doesn't beat themselves. You know, I want us to be disciplined on offense. I want us to understand what what good shots are, the value of not turning the ball over. Defensively, I want us to be really hard to score against. I want us to make teams uncomfortable, uh, and I want to do it over and over and over. You know, basketball in general is a game of mistakes, but victory favors the team making the least. That was on our as a sign on our our locker room wall uh, when I was in college, and those things, you know, it, it stuck with me. But it, it is true, and so I I just want to develop a team that. When, when, whether we go on the road or teams come here and play us in Worthen, um, that they know when they walk out there, uh, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, so last year you're coaching for UCLA. The year before UCLA gets into the Final Four, uh, last uh, spring when you were talking to us about this job, you were playing in the Sweet 16. Why did you want to leave a storied program 
like UCLA and come to be the head men's basketball coach at Ball State University? Well, um, it's, this is home. Like I've, I've talked to you about that before. Like this is home. This is, um, you know, I think a, an unbelievable opportunity for me to, to be a head coach here at this university. Uh, I do feel like what you just said, like I felt like I had one of the, if not the best assistant coach job in the country. You know, you, you live in Los Angeles. The, the weather's great. Taxes are bad, but the weather's great, right? Traffic is not yeah, so traffic's great. Yeah, traffic's not great either. Um, but, you know, you walk into uh, a historic venue with 11 national championship banners. Um, you know, all the John Wooden, you know, all the, you know, you have 42, 42 now, first-round draft picks, you know, pictures up on the wall looking down on you every day and just the, the history of that program. So to have played in Indiana and to have coached at UCLA – um, you know, I felt like really special opportunities. Um, but this is, you know, coming back here to Indiana um, is, is home and, and uh, giving me an opportunity to, to be a head coach and to lead a program, you know, like you've heard me say before, like to lead a program in a state where basketball means so much, um, I think gives you, gives you a leg up. And then when you combine the, the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm connected with all the powers that be in basketball in this state, um, you know, I, I know uh, the high school coaches. I know the quality of coaching they're getting. I know the AAU programs and the leaders of those programs and the quality of coaching there. Um, and when you combine all those things, you know, this was uh, this was not uh, – it wasn't hard to say yes to. Yeah, one of the things I remember uh, about the program that we had when uh, we announced uh, here on campus uh, that you were joining us, uh, in response to one of the questions, you kind of summed up your answer with a simple statement, which is that you didn't come home to Indiana to lose. And that certainly got everyone in the room pretty fired up. So you've now been on the job a few months. You've got to know the campus, our culture. You've gotten to know your players and your staff. What are what are your impressions of the team that's going to be on the court in a few months? And what are your expectations? Realistically, what are your expectations for this season? Well, I think w- what we have is a um, a group that um, is really bought in right now. Um, now the challenge is to, to keep that connectivity and that buy-in um, when things get hard. Like we haven't we haven't played any games. Uh, there hasn't been a ton of ad- adversity. Um, you know mom or dad or uncle smitty or whoever is not calling them like why aren't you playing why aren't you getting more shots um but we've got a we've got a really connected uh team that is very bought into what we're trying to do these guys um i think have a strong desire to win now i don't think they completely understand everything that it takes to win at a consistent level at 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 ball state and in the mac and in college basketball today but that's our that's coaching that's our job uh, to teach those things and to hold them accountable to those things and demand those things um, to where they experience that winning and then it just it kind of catches fire and 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 moves on but we, we've got a group of guys that that want to win and it's our job to um, not only teach them how to win but then put them in positions where they can be successful um, they get a taste of that and then it then it kind of snowballs but um, you know I don't I don't really have expectations for this season I've never as an assistant, um, I never had expectations. I don't. I don't ever want to put a ceiling on a team. Um, you know, I. I don't know how good we can be. You know, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of variables that that um, can go into whether or not this season, you know, I'll determine as a success or or a, or a failure. But um, there's a there's a lot of things that can happen between now and March that that play into that. But I do like um, our guys' work ethic 
and and how they are approaching each day. We we I wouldn't say we've had a bad day of practice yet. Now there's been a you know a session or two that could have been better, um, and they've always kind of responded when they got prompted to, and uh, things got better. Um, so I, I, I like the group that we have, um, and and I like you know our mindset as we head into it. But like like I've told them, it's easy right now. You know, like like some of the you know, and, and I'm very honest and upfront with them. Like, hey, here's the knocks on you guys. You know, here's what I've been told about you guys. Like, how are you going to respond when we get punched in the mouth? How are you going to respond to a loss or adversity within a game? You know, are we going to come together? Or are we going to start pointing fingers and blame everybody and, and, and splinter apart? Like, that's going to be the true challenge, and that will determine how good a team we can have. Yeah, you, I want to follow up on something you said just a moment ago. You've never been a head coach. What's the difference between being – an assistant coach, the top assistant. All the actually, problems fall on my desk now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's nobody else to call, right? Yeah. yeah so what is, the, what, what is the difference between being a head coach? How have you made that adjustment? How have you prepared for that different role? Well, I, I, I think I spent 18 years trying to, trying to prepare for, for all those things. But I don't, you know, everybody that I ever worked for has always said, like, you know, you, you're never prepared until you you go through it. Like there's just certain things. I'm I'm sure the same thing as being the president at university. There's things that come up. You're like, eh, nobody told me about this. You know, but um, you know every every decision comes on your desk, whether it's um, you know it's it's a small decision or or major. And and I just try to approach everything with um, you know the best decision that's in the best interest of our program. Like I know what I want to accomplish here. I know where this program can go. Um, so every decision that I make, um, I have that in mind of where the program we want to be um, and where we want to, you know, the type of team we want to become and ultimately the type of program that, that is going to an NCAA tournament. Like that was every decision I make, I always have that in mind. So one of the things I've heard you talk about, and you mentioned it again at the, at the initial uh, program or press conference, is that you want to restore – some of the in-state rivalries. And so what are some of the non-conference games that you're looking forward to this year? And what are the non-conference games that you're looking forward to in the future? And when do you anticipate that Butler and IU will be coming into Worthen <laughs> Arena? Well, um, I don't know if we can get that. And we're gonna, we'll try. But, I, you know, scheduling is, is an interesting interesting piece. And, and obviously, like, our schedule has come out here recently. And, um, you know, there's there's some games I inherited, some some contracts I inherited that – um, we have to return games to, or you know, you know, fulfill those contracts, and then you got to have a certain date open, and it's got to match somebody. But um, you know, we were able to, to keep the Indiana State series going. We we're able to keep the Evansville um, series going. Um, you know, we we tried to get you know our, our home opener on opening night, November seventh. We tried to get um, you know we tried to get Valpo in here. We tried to get USI in here. We tried to get IUPUI. Like we tried to get teams in here, and it just it just didn't work, and so we had to fall. You know, to where we where we fell, and we were bringing Earlham in here, which is a non-division one team. And you know, like uh, when you put those things together, like okay, like for example, one one team I could have brought Cal State Northridge in here, and like okay, that's a division one team. Well, yeah, but now next year I got to go to Cal State Northridge, okay? And that trip that trip in itself is going to cost me thirty to forty thousand dollars, right? So if I float that bill across your desk, you're going to be like, hey, Mike, what's what are we doing? You know, and and Manhattan was another was another team, and so. I think as we continue on and, and we build our program, 
Um, and there's some things I can fix from a scheduling standpoint in the future that I just couldn't quite get done this year. So, sure. um, you know, when, when you when I put the schedule together, we obviously we, we, we got a conference that we uh, we work with. Um, we have uh, people that that work with um, the net and different things that rank. And um, it was a B-plus schedule. And it would have been an A schedule if I could have got one D, uh, non-D1 team off there and added a D1. But um, the dates worked. And then looking big picture, you know, fiscally, fiscally it wasn't, wasn't very responsible for me to do some of those things. So, um, you know, I think we'll get our program to the point um, where we can attract some of those teams and some higher-profile home-and-homes or – you know, you know, a two for one, and 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 try to get an IU or Purdue or something, something in there. But the the days of those high majors coming here, um, you don't see that happen very more. Like maybe we can get a neutral site or something, and uh, we we'll have to get creative. But it's just, it's not what it was twenty years ago. Right, it's tougher, and and our expectations are those neutral sites. I mean, yeah. that's where we. Well, I, I think it would be a lot of fun. I like the Indiana State series. I like the Evansville series. Um, I like to get with Valpo and IUPUI and USI is a new D1 team. I love the game in Game Reach Fieldhouse, yeah. um, you know, against Illinois State. I, I think the chance to, to take our program to Indianapolis where, um, you know, we have the highest percentage of alumni living in that in that area, uh, I think that's cool. It's a great uh, facility to, to play in. We're playing a quality opponent. We're playing um, right before Purdue Davidson, it should be a, a great atmosphere. Um, the trip to the Bahamas is, um, you know, something I inherited. I think it's going to be a great experience. Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> you know, fiscally, <laughs> I don't know how you know it's going to work out. But it's, um, you know, those are things that I, I look at. It's kind of like the foreign trips that you're allowed to do in the summertime. Like it's, I think it's it's a great experience. You got to use it as a teaching tool. There's, it's going to be the first time some of our guys have been outside the country. Um, but I don't think it's the smartest thing to do every year you know when you face some of the challenges that, that we face and so i think there's some other things that we can do from a scheduling standpoint um to have those in a rotation on about every three or four years where but then build the schedule differently um, where we're playing more regional opponents yeah and it'll certainly be great to be in gamebridge fieldhouse playing uh in gamebridge fieldhouse a fieldhouse that's named uh, uh for a company that a ball state graduate dan towers uh owns no it's, it, it's great and, and um obviously dan's been been great i've created a pretty good relationship with him um and he's he's a very proud cardinal and he is a big sports fan yes so one of the many things that i admire about you is your commitment to your family tell us a little bit about your wife nicole and your and your two daughters well there's not much i can't uh I'm not able to tell you about my wife. I've known her since fourth grade. So, I, you know, I, I know all the good and the bad, but... Um, and so does she, yeah, right? So yeah, be I'm, careful yeah, here. Unfortunately. Um, but no, she. I tell you what, we've been um, been best friends since fourth grade. Now, like, it, it's not the, you know, we it's not like we were boyfriend or girlfriend the whole time. Now, we did go to high school proms together, basically, because we just, well, I mean, who else are we going to go with, right? You know, but, um, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's, she she's been great. She she wasn't a huge sports fan, or uh, not. No, I shouldn't say sports. She wasn't a huge basketball fan um, growing up. But now she uh, she can tell you. Like when we first got serious and dating, like she couldn't tell you a guard, forward, center. She didn't know any of those things. But um, she's she's really grown in. She's an unbelievable coach's wife. Um, she's she's moved all across the country, allowing me, you know, to chase a dream. She's um, she's done a great job. Like you've met my daughter, she's done an unbelievable job of raising, um, you know, two beautiful girls that, um, you know, that I'm proud of most days. <laughs> you know, there's a day here or there that you're like, yeah, but um, 
she she's just been great and then obviously i got a i got a freshman that goes to yorktown now uh in avery and emma's a sixth grader also at yorktown and and they've um you know they've kind of made this move um as well as i i could ever expect it you know i think they've handled themselves really well they've had a very open mind um they haven't been scared to put themselves out there they've met friends and and you know i can't say enough about the muncie and yorktown communities um, you know, being very, very open to them, um, and, and the hospitality and the welcoming of, of, of my family has been unbelievable. So, um, I've met your girls, as you say, and, uh, they're both bright and engaged around the dinner table. Do they offer some coaching tips or defensive uh, schemes or anything? I, when, when it's just us, they offer all kinds of things, <laughs> like this. but, uh, no, they kind of, they, they stay in their lane. They, they, they do, they do stay in their lane. Now, occasionally they'll, They'll say, you know, they're not scared to voice their opinion, but normally they can and leave the basketball to me. But um, that's about – I think that's all they think I understand or know because outside of basketball, I think I'm one of the dumbest human beings that, that they've ever met in their mind, you know. But as they each day they get older, they start realizing mom and dad kind of maybe, maybe know a few things. Yeah, and I have raised five kids, and I've gone through that phase, four teenage daughters all in the – house at one time so they come back around so um and and hopefully your wife is not as sarcastic as mine when she's watching basketball my wife will occasionally say if we miss a free throw at a critical time she'll ask me is there a reason why we don't practice free throws yeah well bring her by and she'll see that, that we we do practice practice free throws they're not going up there missing it's the and that's one thing about being in indiana man everybody they either grew up playing basketball they played for their high school team or something and i just can't believe we miss any free throws it's like you, you made all yours yeah like you made all yours so right. when your wife comes in the gym and she goes 100 for 100, then she can talk about it for you. Yeah, well, I'll have you deliver that message. I'll have her listen to this podcast. Um, so your children probably like, and Nicole, like a lot of, of Cardinals fans, you know, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. You And you commented that uh, at the press conference. You know, we want to win the MAC championship. We want to play in the NCAA tournament again. We want to do one of those great runs and go to the Sweet 16. That's hard. It's probably harder today than it was when we made that run 20 years ago. Um, are those the kind of goals that you ultimately have? Is that the measure of success, winning a MAC championship tournament, playing in the NCA, and maybe getting a win in a first round? Yeah, I think those are the, the big picture goals. You know, I, th- I think, you know, hey, listen, I, we want to we uh, win a MAC championship, uh, and we want to go to NCA tournament. You know, once you get in that tournament, you know, really anything anything can happen. We've seen that you know, time and time again. Um, you know, going to Sweet 16, that's an unbelievable accomplishment for that team. Um, you know, it, it's like we just went with UCLA. It's really hard to get there at UCLA. You know, it's, those things are – when you're in a one-game elimination tournament, um, you know, you're you're a, a bad day away from going home. And one so, turnover. Yeah. So, you know, we missed a blackout with a minute and a half. It cost us a chance to go to the Elite Eight and probably a Final Four. But, um, you know, I, I think we're working on – the day to day, like when you when you when when I walked in, we had our first team meeting, and I said, "We will go to we will win a MAC championship, and we will go to an NCAA tournament." You could just kind of see the look on some of those guys' face, like, "Come on, man!" Everybody says that, and so you have that goal, but then you simplify it, you know, and you break it down to a, you know, this is what we got to do today, this is what we got to do tomorrow, this is where we got to be in a month, um, and you simplify it where they're not thinking that that big picture. But there's, um, you know, that's not. not you know, it's, I've never shied away from expectations. You don't, you don't play in Indiana. You don't coach it at, um, you know, Butler or UCLA. 
um, if you're scared of expectations. You know, so I'm not scared of them here. Um, I know we can build the type of program that uh, puts themselves in a position to consistently compete for that MAC championship. We play in a league where you have to put yourself in a position to win three games in three days in March. So how can we get ourselves in the position by March to be the best that we can be at that time and then go out and compete? And I think to ultimately do that, like, you know, if you, you talk to the so-called experts, all right, who's the best teams in the MAC? They're going to list the same four teams. Maybe different orders, but they're going to list the same four teams. So I think step one is putting ourselves in that conversation, putting ourselves in that top four to where you have a legitimate chance to go, go win a championship in Cleveland. And then once you do that, you put yourself in a tournament where, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, just ask UMBC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, St. Peter's last year, I mean, they, you know, they're in the Elite Eight, you know. So um, anything can happen. You can't, uh, you know, when teams get hot and get, get on a roll and, and, and start believing. Um, but that belief comes from the work that you put in and the belief comes from doing the things that it takes as you're seeing your, the improvement on, as a team. So let's talk uh, big picture. Um, I believe, you've heard me say this, I believe that training and competing as a student athlete, high level as a college athlete, that that, that experience prepares you for success in your career and in your life. I, I believe that, as I say, because that's part of my own professional and personal journey. Why do you think college sports, notwithstanding all of the challenges and the money that people are talking about. And, you know, why is it an enterprise, an endeavor that we should do all we can to preserve college sports in America? Because you're teaching um, young people how to compete. Uh, and I think when you, when you get in, into competitive environments, um, like you, 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 can, you don't get born into winning. You know, you don't inherit winning. Like you, you have to go out there and compete. You have to put yourself out there. Um, and it's okay, like too many people, they, you know, they're scared to fail. They're scared of losing because like, well, how's that look? Well, it, listen, man, like, you know, Michael Jordan's got that great poster. Like I've missed all these thousands of shots. And because I've missed those shots, I can now succeed. Like, you know, I can hit the game winners. Like, um, but I think in society now we're, we're protecting too many people um, from the accountability um, it's always somebody else's fault. We're so quick to point fingers. Like, it's okay. Like, it's my fault. All right, I, I screwed that up. It's my fault. I made a mistake. We lost. Like, how are you going to learn from that? How are you going to grow from that? If you don't ever go through that, how do you grow? Like, if everybody just paves the way for you and you never have those experiences, how are you going to be prepared when life hits? So I, I just think, uh, like you, that athletics puts you in, in so many different situations um, that you were forced to to grow up and and take responsibility and be held accountable, and it pre- prepares you for when life happens, because life is not nobody's paving that way. In life nobody cares. Like too many people think their feelings matter in life. Like nobody cares. Everybody's trying to take your money. Like I told our team today, somebody's going to be trying to take your house. Somebody's going to be trying to take your car. Somebody's going to be trying to take your wife. Like nobody cares. Like it's an competitive environment. And then until you or get comfortable in those type of environments and learn how to win in life, you know it's it's going to be really difficult for you. Yeah. And it's about the discipline, but it's also about values yes. and character. So. I, you know, I, I just want to end our conversation with the same question that I ask all of the guests on this podcast, and it's about beneficence. You come to know that beneficence is the iconic statue that is the tangible reminder of our commitment to the enduring values 
that, in, that distinguish our university. And as you know, beneficence means doing good for other people through education, through service, through philanthropy. So what does beneficence, in the short period of time, what does beneficence mean to you? Well, I've got 14 individuals whose parents, guardians, caretakers, whoever, have entrusted uh, in, in me and my staff to build upon the foundation that they've given them uh, up to this point in their life. So I have an opportunity to use athletics, like you've, we talked about, to prepare them for life, for when it happens. Um, I take that. I have two daughters. Um, I take that responsibility very seriously um, that, you know, our staff is about the right things. Like I want, I want um, you know, we talked about our families. I want them around our program because I want our players to see us as husbands. I want them to see us as fathers. Um, I want them to see us outside of basketball. I want them to see us as something other than just their coach. Um, because I think when the more environments that they see you in and the more complete person that they, they see you in instead of just the guy that's telling them where to be you know, defensively, um, then they see a different way. And like you're bringing a bunch of people together um, in, our, in our aspect. Like you have 14 guys from different backgrounds, different areas of the country. Um, they're away from their people for the first time. They're starting to develop their own beliefs and ideas on their own for the first time. Um, and so I take that responsibility, you know, very seriously. And we got to, that's why I like college athletics. You got an opportunity to make a huge impact on people at an age in their life that is going to directly translate to, you know, success or failure later on in life and what you can do to help them learn that. And, and, um, you know, we've got 14 groups of people that have entrusted our staff and, and helping their kids, you know, grow. And then obviously I think, um, you know, here I, I, I've I talked to you like I, I don't want to just be the basketball coach. Like I want to, you know, use basketball and, and the, the platform that we have here to help this university grow, you know, achieve, you know, how can basketball help you achieve some of the, the goals that you have for this university? Um, and in doing so, then how can we, we improve Muncie and East Central Indiana? Yeah. Good to be with you, Michael. And on behalf of the extended Ball State University community, we are grateful that you and Nicole have brought your family here, and let's go Cards. Well, thank you. I'm very, uh, very proud to be here. Thank you. You've been listening to Our Call to Beneficence, a podcast hosted by Jeff Mearns, the president of Ball State University. Check back again soon to hear from another Ball State graduate or friend. At Ball State University, we fly. We fly.